The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Would you turn in your copy of God's Word now to Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28, and even as I announce that text, I can see a smile on many of your faces. For this is a, a, a verse, is a good friend to you. You're well acquainted and well loved, right? It's one of those promises, a, a rock solid promise captured in the granite of this verse that we know and love. For those of you maybe that are unfamiliar with it, I'm eager to actually introduce you to my good friend this morning. A great verse, a rock solid uh, verse that we'll read here in just a minute. And as you're turning there, let me just ask this question. Who here and who online uh, wants your life to count for something? Anybody? You want your life to count for something? You can stick your hand up if you want. Um, all of us, I would say, do. All of us want our life to count. We want uh, to matter. We want our, our life to matter to someone and for something. We want our pursuits to have value. We want our job to make a difference. We want our interests to be used for the glory of God. And so whether you're a kid or a student, maybe you're uh, finishing up your semester in college, uh, you're a young professional, a new parent, an older parent, an empty nester, maybe newly retired or into your twilight years, you are likely somewhere on the spectrum of will my life count to did my life count? We want to have significance. We desire purpose. We desire things to matter. And you may be familiar with this book called The Marriage Builder, written a long time ago by Larry Crabb. I read it actually before I was married, and I can't seem to find my copy of it now. Maybe one of you have it because I've loaned it out to you or something. Um, but it's a good book, and the premise of the book is that uh, men and women have two core needs, significance and security. And we, at our being, we, we want purpose and we want protection. That we want things to matter. Then this need for purpose or significance, really as you think about it, lies behind the why we ask why. Now you're right, this is the nine o'clock service. That's a little too philosophical for me to, uh, to, uh, to think about right now. But it's this need for significance is behind the reason why we ask why about things. Why did COVID happen? Why, why, why did we have to stop gathering? Why did I lose my job? Why did this person get sick? Why did she have to die? Why did this happen? And the reason that we ask that is because we want things to matter. We want there to be a purpose. And even as we ask these questions of ourselves and of the Lord and as we come to the scriptures, we are hopeful that the reasons behind things have significance. So wrapped up in our verse today is this promise. And here it is for you if you're taking notes that God promises significance in your circumstances. That God promises significance in our circumstances, nothing is random, nothing lacks purpose. And so why don't we just read the verse here, and you can see where I'm getting this, and we'll go 
deeper in. Listen, you can underline it if you haven't yet as I read this verse. Here it is, Romans 8, 28, and it says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Short, sweet, but God's word for God's people. Last week, as we looked at Philippians 4, 6, and 7, I, I, I showed you that we cannot find our safety or our peace in our circumstances. Our circumstances are always changing. The things that happen to us and the details of our life are always changing, but they are never random, and therefore we don't find safety in them. We find safety and peace in whom, church? We find it in the Lord. That's right in the God of peace. And while we can't find safety there, I would submit to you this morning from this verse that we can find significance. We can find purpose, that not one detail escapes God's attention. That there are no rogue moments in your life. And because of this, because of this promise, here would be our first application. It is this, know this with certainty to know this with certainty. See, the application here today begins in our minds. The verse begins in our minds as well. And we, what? No. Don't breeze by this. Don't be breezed by this. Linger here for a minute. This is our beginning confidence that where the application, where obedience to God's word begins by applying it in the mind that you wake up every morning, that you head into every meeting, that you uh, approach every client or every patient with this certainty. See, we can come confident in what we know. And this is really contrasted in our verse. You know, we've parachuted in in this promise, and it is contrasted by the things that we don't always know. Back up with me just into verse 26 here. Paul is making an, uh, a case. He is building a, an argument in Romans 8. By the way, Romans 8 is known by some as the Mount Everest of the Bible. It's, if there's a chapter to know a word for word, it is this chapter. My high school Bible teacher, when we were taking Romans, he challenged us to memorize it in its entirety. I think I got through like 18 verses or something, and uh, that was all I could do back as like a 16-year-old. But he's building a case here, and so if, come with me to verse 26, and he says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for, what does it say? For we do not know what to pray. And so he's, he's, he's building this case. You ever been in a, in a situation, maybe it's very difficult, um, you, you have some hard decisions to make and you just don't know what to pray. Ever been somewhere like that? It's like, God, I'm, I'm before you right now and help is about all you can utter. You don't know what to pray. And there's a, there's a promise even wrapped up in here. There's some help here. But he says, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us for groanings too deep for words. And what is, what is he saying here? Like the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, he knows what to pray because he knows what the will of God is. As we come before the Lord asking God to align our hearts and minds with the will of God, we don't always know what that is. And so we just, we, we just don't know what to pray and think God, that his spirit does and knows what the will of God is. And so we don't always know what to pray, but what do we know, church? That God is sovereign. 
that he is good. We don't always know this. He, he builds that, and then we come to verse 28, and that's why that and is there, because he's saying, but we don't always know that, but what do we know? That God is sovereign. And so there's a flow here in these verses, in 26 through 30, saying you go from being confused to confident and then conformed to Christ Jesus. More on that in just a minute, but we go from confused to confident to conformed, and we may not know God's will in everything, but we do know that in everything, God knows his own will. Amen? We may not know God's will in everything, but we do know that in everything, God is sovereign, and he knows his own will. And so we're confronted with this, even as we say we know this, we are confronted with a problem that we're finite. You ever been confronted with that? Every day in parenting, right? Many days on our job, we can't find, we, 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 just, we don't understand everything, we can't understand everything, and sometimes the, not only are we finite in our understanding, is then we try to find identity in these things as well. We try to find our, 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 our identity in means that aren't able to carry the weight of our dependency parenting, like I said, we, every day we, 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 we don't know what to do and our identity can get wrapped up in our kids and then they fail us and they disappoint us and we become angry and we realize, well, same can be true in our job or with our spouse, our sports teams, right? We think we know what's best for, you know, the baseball season that is being postponed and we want the Brewers to, you know, to come out with a great season this year. But everything, all of these will always fail. They will lose and they will let you down. Now, ultimately, at the end of the day, that disappointment that we feel, the anger that may rise up in us, it's our alarm from the Holy Spirit to say, hey, you need to pray. Hey, you need to pray. You're finding too much purpose here. You're finding too much identity here. You don't understand, but what you can understand is this church, that God is the conductor. He's the orchestrator. He's the overseer, the mover, the originator. He is the Lord. He holds all things in his hands. He controls all the movements of creation. Consider this promise here. Consider this understanding from Isaiah 45, 7. God speaking, he says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. It is God who is good. It is God who is sovereign. And so wrapped up in our promise here, we can know for certain that it is God who is sovereign. Do you remember when, maybe you read the podcast or along the way, how do we define what the promises of God are? If you're maybe just joining us today, um, this is, you're just jumping in here, but how did we define the promise, or define the promises of God? What is a promise? You know, we've talking about it, we hear that term a lot, it's, here's the definition, it's those statements in the Bible that are based in the character of God, often with a, I will do something, or I am doing something, and that we often only experience through our obedience. It's those statements of, uh, of God in the Bible that are based in his character. In each of our promises that we've looked at, they've been based in the character of God, right? Like just consider back with me on the promises that we've covered so far. In James chapter one, what was the, what, what, what was the character of God that we saw there? That God is wise, right? That he is omniscient and he is generous. And what do we lack? We lack wisdom, right? We're foolish and ignorant. So what does he promise to give us if we just ask him? He gives us? 
wisdom. Or the week after that, what is it? It said explicitly in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, what does it say? That God is faithful. And we, what are we? We, we are radically depraved. And we need a way out of our sin, right? Last week, what is, it, what is God? He is peace, right? He's eternal, and what do we have? What exists in us? Anxiety and worry and fear, right? And so what do we need? We need peace, solid peace, perfect peace. And so today, what is the character of God that we are to know, church? That God is sovereign, and we are finite. We find our identity in too many things, and so what do we need? We need this resolute purpose. We need some significance. We need this understanding that God is good. We know who God is. We know who we are. We know what we lack and we know what God's promised. And so in this case, in this promise, what is it that we know for certain? What are we to know for certain? Well, here is a first point. Number one, we know that God is at work in the details of my life. We're to know this for certain, that God is at work in the details of my life. Look at the next part of the verse. We know, but what does we know? That for those who love God, all things work together for good. That's a beautiful statement right there, that for those who love God, this is a, there's a specific audience to this promise, right? Those that love God, and I, I find this interesting here, because especially if you know the book of Romans, or even just as, uh, you know, as Christians, we might expect that it would say, for those who believe in God, right? For those who have faith, for those who obey the word of God, but no, no, what does it say here? Those that love God. What are we as believers defined by? We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it, that we love our neighbor as ourself. They will know we are Christians by our love. And, I, I, and so I, I'm thrilled that, that Paul would use this, that for those who love God, because far too often we love so many other things, don't we? Paul brings this out to the Corinthians as he's writing to the church there in Corinth. They loved to hear themselves talk. They loved to be right. They loved their sin. They loved their immorality. They loved even food too much. And so in 1 Corinthians 8, he, uh, verse 1, he says this. Now concerning food offered to idols, he says, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. And here's the kicker. This is 1 Corinthians 8, 3. Look it up later today. He says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Hmm. He will, at the very end of the, at that same letter, 1 Corinthians 16, he will warn those who do not love God. Hear this, he says, 1 Corinthians 16, 21, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Oh, Lord, come, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. A defining characteristic of a Christian is their love for the Lord. Do you love God this morning? as you know, best as we can. I realize we all fail in this or not perfect in it, but do you love the Lord this morning? 
so much so that you've said, I, I said no to your sin. It is behind you. You've turned your back on it and repented of it. And now with eyes full of love, with a love for the Lord that he himself has cultivated in you, do you follow then after God in joyful obedience? Not because you have to, but now because you get to. Because the same loving God has invited you in. I pray that you love God this morning. And I pray that, that with the effect of COVID-19 has increased you, has made you abound in greater love for the Lord. For if you are defined by this, then you can be confident that God is at work in the details of your life. There's a, a not only a specific audience here, but in the same phrase, there's a specific extent of the promise. There's a boundary here. For those who love God, what does he say next? That all things work together. That God is working in all the details. Is Paul just using hyperbole here? Is he just exaggerating a little bit for us? What do you think? They just, you know, like, yeah, I'll just kind of put it. It sounds good, right? It rhymes, it rolls off the tongue. Is it like really like everything? Yes. Yes, everything. You know, if we consider just the context here as well, he, he will already make the case. This is the kind of the crown jewel in the midst of Romans 8, but he's been making this case beginning back in verse 18. He's saying, he, he talks about suffering. Where he's saying that I, I would consider that even my present sufferings are not worth the, what does he say, the, the worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And when you weigh out your life, the, the suffering here, and if you put it in the scales of what God is doing in my life, both now and eternally, that these things pale in comparison. And it is far greater, of far greater weight and value what God is doing eternally in me compared to suffering. It's God in control. Is God over? Does all things include our suffering? Yes. It also, if we go past our verse in verses 29 and 30, it includes our salvation. From before the foundation of the world, God uh, determined these things. He determined not only that it would happen, but also the means, where you would be, whom you would talk to, the verses with which would be shared. Every story in here unique, but all with one common theme. Jesus Christ in him crucified. All things includes our suffering. It also includes our salvation. It, and it includes the circumstances of our life. If you just keep reading down in verse 35, he lists out a whole bunch of things. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Do you think God is involved in the details of these things? You bet. Go to verse 38. I'm sure neither death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, anything in all creation. There's nothing exempt, church. Nothing left out nothing beyond the reach of God, nothing unforeseen and nothing surprising to our Lord, including the pandemic. God is not only aware of the situation, he is active in it. He is active in it, and so that in all things, for those whom love God, he is working together the details. He is working together the details. Do you see the words here? Now, there's, there's some debate about what the words actually mean and exactly how God works in the details, but what there is no debate about is that God's involvement in the individual details of your life and my life and the life of every single person to ever live, and he is bringing them together for his good purposes. Do you happen to know that uh, this past Wednesday, if you missed it, I'm sorry, but this past Wednesday was National Apple Pie Day. <laughs> 
I know. It's, it's actually kind of odd uh, because apples come ripe not in May, back, but in the, you know, the late summer or fall, right? That's when Apple Pie Day should be, but apparently if they, somebody somewhere <laughs> designated this past Wednesday as National Apple Pie Day. And uh, you, many of you know me that pie is one of my love languages. I love pie. Um, and uh, we had apple pie at small group this week. Um, but when you consider apple pie, there's a multitude of ingredients that go there together. And together, when they are baked deliciously, it is so good. But if you separate out all the ingredients, how many of us just like to take a spoonful of flour? Spoonful of, of baking soda, or baking powder. Spoonful of even cinnamon. Like, <laughs> don't do that. Children, strike that from your memory. Don't do that. On their own, things can be individually bitter, but works together, they become deliciously good. So too with the things of God. Now, when he says that all things work together for good, don't misunderstand that God is not saying that everything in your life is necessarily good. There are some bitter moments, are there not? There are some hard and painful days. There are some pathways that we walk that are filled with grief but in the end, we can be confident of this very thing. We can know with certainty that it is God who is at work in the details. And not only this, but here's the second thing that we know for certain, that God is working a good purpose in the details. God is working a good purpose in the details. So it is not just that God just merely shows up to work. He doesn't just come and, you know, it's like pushing some buttons, keeping the machines running, you know, just kind of managing all the things. No, he comes up and he is doing so with a good purpose. And this is why we can really own the promise. Look at the last half of this verse. He says, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, in the hope of this promise, there's a reminder of who we are as well. Although there's kind of two parallel statements about who believers are, what we are defined by, and then the good purposes of the Lord. And it is a reminder here that we are called by God unto salvation. That God would invite us in, that he would summon us to himself. That like, like, like somebody who is dead, he would summon us to new life. That somebody who is far away, he would call us into fellowship with him in such a way that is so irresistible, so glorious, he would bring us in. And we can, you know, we, we read this word called and sometimes, you know, we can misunderstand it because, you know, in our common uh, language we use, well, I'm called to ministry, I'm called to go to Africa, I'm called to these things, but the biblical usage is primarily here of salvation. I've got a whole podcast on it if you care to go more in depth about it but he is talking about this call that creates faith, the faith that justifies, adopts, sanctifies, and glorifies us. And God worked out the details of this both eternally and earthly in our life, that it is God who has called us according to his purposes. And this brings up the question, well, what are God's purposes, right? What are the things that are good? Is God promising us that we will come out of these things wealthy? Does God promise us that we will come out of these things healthy? No. 
necessarily. But he does promise that we will come out of this more like Christ. He does promise that we will come out of this in the end glorified. And God is doing all this according to his purpose or his plan. He's been doing it since the beginning. You think like right now he's on some lunch break? He's like, you know, I kind of got hungry. See you guys in an hour. And then he comes back and like, what y'all do on earth? No, not at all. Not at all. God is working out these things with both an eternal purpose and an earthly purpose. So we can know in 2 Timothy, God, uh, Paul uses the same language that is God who is working out these things according to his own purposes. Like consider, consider this, like what is the purpose of God? What is he doing not only in the details here and now, what is his good purpose in your life? Well, he is working out an eternal purpose that he has chosen us, he has called us as his children to enjoy eternity with him. Now grasp this with me for just a minute. Grasp me just how awesome, how good God is in the big picture of our life. Like how can we say that God uses all things, even diseases, even calamities like this to draw in his children? Well, he does so to draw in his children to realize just how dependent they are upon him. You know, it's like kids playing out in the yard and they get close to the road and they realize how dangerous they are and how dependent they are upon their parents. They spend a day or two on their own and the hunger in their, in their, in their belly begins to draw, like, I, I don't know how to feed myself and it draws them back and God uses calamities. He works out his good purposes to draw his children in, his elect in like the prodigal son. But on the flip side, he is also then justified in his wrath for those that would reject it for those that would uh, recognize their dependence and yet dig their heels in. So God is working out some eternal purposes that should cause us to worship him even more. But he's not only working in that way, he's working here in an earthly purpose. It's what he gets to in the next verse, that we would be conformed to Christ. What is God doing in these things? What is God doing in the details? What is his good purpose? It is that you would become more and more uh, conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And God is using the details of, the, of all the circumstances, all the details, the things here and now, like sandpaper to refine us. Or as First Peter 1 would use uh, the example of a refiner's fire burning away that which is impure, that which is worthless, to present us pure, blameless, and holy to the Lord. All with a good purpose, the glory of God, the benefit of others, and our personal holiness. And so here's the application, church. Here's the application. Because God is working a good purpose in the details of your life, you can live for God with clarity. You can live for him with clarity. In the same way you can love him completely, you can live for him with clarity. And so write this, write this down. Write this down. It's not on the screen, but I want you to write this, write this down. Here's what you can know, that what God is doing in you right now so that God can work through you. What God is working in you right now is so that God can work through you. And this is what faith is teaching us 
right now. This is what following the Lord through these uncertain times as we are all making decisions, as we are asking questions why, as we are looking for purpose, as we are looking for significance. Faith would tell us, following Christ would tell us that what we are gaining through this is far better than anything that we have lost. The things that you may be mourning because it is no, no longer normal to do whatever, fill in the blank. That what God is doing now is far greater. And what he is doing in you, what he is working in you is so that he can work through you. Maybe he's doing some things through your children been confronted with your irritability with them or uh, things in your job and how, how hard it's been. And God and his good purposes in the way that only he could do in taking a, a hard situation, of taking uh, unknown territory, and he's using it to expose in us areas that he is refining for his glory and our good. Only God could do something so marvelous such as that. And when we know this, when we know his purpose with certainty, we can live with clarity. This is like the base, the sovereignty of God, knowing that he is working all things out uh, for his good purposes, that there are significance in uh, even the mundane details of my life. It's like the base in the game of tag, a place that you can come to and find safety where you cannot be tagged. No need to run around aimlessly. No, re- no need to try to catch things that don't matter. See, we can get c- so confused in our priorities, can't we? We can get so confused about what our purpose for this life is. And yet this pandemic, COVID-19, was one of God's means to give us cl- crystal clear clarity about who is in control, about what is truly good, and about why we even exist as humans. Our church, let us then be, let, let there be no confusion on these matters. What we are gaining is far better than whatever we might be losing. Why? Because God is working it together for good. Why? Because there is purpose in his plan. Why? Because there is significance in the details. Church, as we know this verse, as we seek to apply it, as we don't want it to just be a cliche thing uh, that, we, uh, that we just write in a card or sign with a verse, But as this becomes a a truth, a promise that we want to own, we must acknowledge that we are limited in our understanding. We seek purpose in created things. We must ask God to give us certainty and clarity to see his good purposes and accept the fact that his purpose is better than our purpose and then begin to act and live freely under his sovereign hand. This is how we own the promise. This is how we continue to walk and to find meaning and significance in whatever God may be doing in and through your life right now. Amen? Amen. Would you join me as we pray? Father in heaven, um, these are weighty matters. Things that are beginning in our mind, truths that are rattling around even here and now. God, so would you be kind uh, to us as we process, as we think, as we seek, God. We, we, we lack clarity, we lack understanding in this. And so what do we need this morning, Lord? We need your help. A help that you promised to give. 
a promise that our life does indeed matter. And so God, would you help us this morning to know these things with certainty, to love you completely, and to live even now with the greatest of clarity, clarity that we've never had before for the reason why we exist. Thank you for these these things, God. Do your work in our hearts now, we pray in Christ's name.